Restaurant Unstoppable, episode three, three, seven. You know, with like the staff, I'd be like, you know, shit, st- people are going to drop things. Unfortunately, it does happen. It's going to happen. So don't freak out. Just make sure the broom is always in the same place so that we know where it is. And the sexy part of when something like falls or breaks is how sexy it is when it gets so seamlessly cleaned up and no drama, just boom, 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 ninja style. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com and if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable you will get a 10 day pass for only one dollar get on it and with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest debbie salberg debbie you gotta tell me are you feeling unstoppable today Eric, I am feeling so forking unstoppable, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, sister, that's what I like to hear. And uh, originating from Boston, Massachusetts area, Debbie Salberg holds a degree in hotel and restaurant management from UMass Amherst and has spent the last 15 years working in the San Diego restaurant area. Uh, Today, she is the founder and host of Just Forking Around, the podcast show for restaurateurs, creative chefs, kick-ass servers, wicked cool winemakers, fresh farmers, and frankly, anyone who plays a pivotal part in this beautiful, insane, sexy world of food and beverage. Uh, That is just scraping the surface. Obviously, we're going to really get to know you more. I can't wait, but let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra take it away all right thank you eric so something that i always say to myself i would say over the decade or so longer maybe almost two decades is dr wayne dyer change the way you look at things and the things you look at change really dive into that how does that sing to you so that sings to me eric because you know, when you really can kind of grasp that concept or I, when I really was able to, I'll put it in I, when I was able to really understand and put my arms around it, it, besides the actuality of looking at something and changing how you see it can change everything, but it is empowering. 
Mm. I mean, it's super empowering. That gives me my ability to navigate the course, right? So it's personal power. When you can really understand, when I really understood that fact, right? That like, wait, if I change the way that I look at things, then the things I look at change. So it was all personal power. I love it. So that's, yeah. It's great. And it reminds me so much of something I like to say all the time, which is perception is reality. And if you perceive your world to be shitty and miserable and just like if you're not where you want to be and that's all you focus on instead of focusing on what you can do right now to get closer to where you want to be and what you do have, not what you don't have and just be grateful. I mean, you're just going to be way happier and you're going to be positive. And when you're positive, you attract onto yourself more positivity uh, and things start to change. And I, I love it. I love the way that to get this thing going. Uh, you're, you're getting this going in the right direction. This is what we needed. And uh, we're going to pay tribute to you right now. And uh, what you do, which I love in your podcast, you start every episode off with a salute uh, and uh, a drink. So let me ask you, what are you drinking today? Well, you know, I have a, quite a few beverages in front of me right now because I do have water. I have coffee. And I also just, you know, I... In, in respect for podcasting, I do have a glass of just, a, you know, a wee glass. It's only like 9.30 in the morning here. However, it's a wee glass of Prosecco. Uh, La Marca, mm-hmm. just your basic with a splash of orange juice, just a teensy. Nice. Uh, and it is 9.30 in the morning, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time <laughs> to have a drink on uh, Tuesday morning at 9.30 on the West Coast. Uh, but, you know, it's it's uh, the East Coast where I'm at, so it's, it's afternoon. So I'm going to pop a full beer. And drink the whole thing and pour it right now. (laughs) And I'm drinking The Crisp, which is uh, from Six Point Brewery. Uh, And this is probably my favorite beer. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Pilsner's. And it's just like a clean, and like the title says, crisp, refreshing beer. And in a world of beers that are so loud and kind of over the top, um, it's kind of refreshing just to have a simple, like, well-done Pilsner. And uh, it's called Six Point, The Crisp. All right. All right. So what are we toasting to? So I'm going to go with a, you know, what something, a, a riddle, riddle type of a, of a, of a toast. So I raise my glass and since I am on a boat, I will say this. If beer were an ocean and I was a duck, I'd swim to the bottom to drink my way up. But the ocean is not beer and I'm not a duck. So here's to us. Now let's get forked. <laughs> cheers i love it cheers cheers mm. Mm. all right i'm gonna finish that as the interview goes so if things get a little more loosey goosey as we go on you know why um <laughs> so i'm super excited to learn more about you um you're here today because uh you reached out to me uh and you had me on your show thank you so much uh i love what you're doing uh so i just decided to turn the tables and to find out more about you and to, uh, you know, just add you to the melting pot of mentors. So tell us about, uh, how you got into the industry and, um, you know, what brought you to where you are today. Okay. So young, young age, 13 started working in New Hampshire up at the lakes region. Yeah. New um, Hampshire. <laughs> yes. I'll up drink in to that. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Up in, I was actually up in Meredith, New Hampshire at Hart's Turkey Farm Restaurant, so Hart's Turkey Farm Restaurant, um, in the kitchen, I started food prep when I was 13, and I worked all through the back of the house, 
Then I got a little taste of, quote, tray pushing. That's what they called it then. It was expoing, kind of running the food out. They call it tray pushing. And then I got a taste of the front of the house, and that was it for me. I stayed in the front and worked throughout the, gosh, since I'm 49 now, so a long time, so maybe 25 years or so. And basically, I love the restaurant industry. I, I found myself loving that being part of people's celebrations and being part of this positivity of, you know, joyfulness with food, you know, people coming around and people enjoying. And what I really started to get into was on the management side, like just the team and having then having general management, having one big team and just executing and, you know, every feeling just you're like you're crushing it every night. You know, when the lights start to go down, like yeah. at, at 530, you're about to open, right, Eric? It just feels, I love it. And everyone's coming in and the vibe is high and, you know, people are enjoying what they're doing um, yeah. on the restaurant staff side. And then people coming in are just super psyched. So I, and you know, and there's, and there's so many things that go, go start to tilt, you know, all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, there's, you know, the CO2 and the beer and the beer is not working and you know, you have to find a wrench and fix it. You know, <laughs> like there's all these things that happen, but at, it keeps you on your toes because you have to kind of find, find your footing and make it all execute perfectly. Yeah. At least from, perspective and one thing i you know i'm right there with you the whole idea of just bringing people together in um celebrating with them and creating a, a space for them to just be happy and to make people happy how does that make you feel when you succeeded in making someone else happy see that's the key eric i i i even get chills thinking about that i love that feeling i i love i love that i i love bringing people together and then i love what if i'm you know, it was if you're hosting or if you're managing or even if you're serving and you just look around the dining room and people are authentically, you know, enjoying themselves. They're laughing. They're breaking bread with friends. They're they're enjoying the feeling I get like I can in my mind have I, I get chills right now thinking about it because it's just such a, a deep satisfaction. Mm. I don't know how else to put it. that can't can't really be taught. You know, it just kind of kind of is how I am maybe I don't know if other people are like that I'm assuming in the hospitality industry everybody is <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't go maybe work so many hours and so hard for you know for what we do day in and day out so I I find I find extreme pleasure extreme joy and so much gratitude awesome so and, much and you were really intentional I mean you knew from a young age you see you start was it 14 when you, you had this job I was 13, they 13. Went, I was yeah like it was they went by the labor laws, so like you couldn't only work. You could only work four hours a day. Even I wanted to work more. They just, you know, they they were very law abiding. So oh, it yeah. wasn't like I could sit there for eight hours, which I wanted to because I just loved it. I loved being in that in that environment. Okay, so uh, five years later, I'm assuming around eighteen or nineteen, you were uh, going to UMass Amherst and uh, studying uh, hotel and was a hotel and was it the yeah hotel. It's called Hotel Restaurant Management. UMass okay. is actually a great department. Um, it was like number two in the school, but I didn't know that. I went in like for liberal arts. I had no idea. Even though, Eric, I love the restaurant industry. Everything I ever did, jobs I had up until that point were restaurant industry or food industry. Any jobs after that were food and restaurant industry. But I just, I didn't know that that was actually something that you could have as a, quote, profession. Because it was, so, it seemed more, back when I was, it was more of like, okay, you go skiing in Tahoe 
and you're a ski bum in the winter and then you're a beach bum in the in the summer, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? And then you wait tables or you bartend in order to support your your enthusiasm for, you know, extreme sports or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I got there after a year and a half, I saw that there was a hotel restaurant department and I was like, well, yeah, fork yeah. So when I applied for it while I was, I think it was in my sophomore year, it was very different. I, it was very, it was geared towards like Marriott, nothing gets Marriott, but very, I'll, I'll say Marriott was a very big recruiter, quote unquote, at that time. So it was very corporate gen oriented. It was very um, suit driven. And at, at that time it was very, and I still am very like kind of independent. I like to, you know, zag everybody zigs, you know, that kind of thing. I, so it was difficult for me to um, to stay in alignment with what they wanted the graduates to do. I was a little more free. So mm -hmm. I never understood that you could actually have, be independent, be a free thinker, be creative, you know, maybe have a, you know, a tattoo or a nose ring and still be successful in the restaurant industry. Because it wasn't like that when I was in my 20s. Hmm. So they were kind of trying to mold you and push you into the system, essentially, to serve in the corporate world. And that didn't jive with you is what I'm hearing. Exactly. So when did you realize that uh, you can actually be successful uh, in your own skin and you can be celebrated for being yourself and to, to like actually be lifted up for your authenticity? Like when did that come into the frame of picture for you? That's That's a great question. You know, I really... I, it, it took a really long time. I always worked at independent restaurants, um, small independent restaurants. And it wasn't until I was actually in San Diego and I started working at Urban Solace, uh, Chef Matt Gordon. Yes, um, he was on the show. Yeah, Chef Matt. So once I started working there and really, I, it just, you know, I don't know if it was because I finally came to California. Wait, why did <laughs> you go to California? I'm curious. What, what brought you out there? Let's, let's back that a little. Yeah, I didn't to that so basically okay i was i was <laughs> i went down to miami i lived in miami for a while and i was i was bartending and i also would start a small side business doing um t-shirts screen printing and embroidery and it was pretty successful it did it did well i was doing a lot of the health clubs and the gyms so i got niched on that um and then there was some situation with my business partner long story so i sold my business and um it was that fleeting moment where you look at a postcard and you see the palm trees and the sunset. I don't know if you know, and you're like California. Mm. So yeah, myself and my friend, we just packed <laughs> up the car and literally love put everything in and drove across the country with the dog, you know, and my partner and just had never been to San Diego and just, it was, you know, a leap of faith. And it, that was, geez, that was seven, 16 years ago, maybe 17 years ago. Never and it works. <laughs> yeah, never. It wasn't until I got to San Diego, and literally with Matt, Chef Matt, and at Urban Solace, where things shifted, and that's when I really was able to embrace the idea. I didn't go into it yet, but the idea of being a manager at a restaurant. So because to me, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So to me, a manager back when I was going through my twenties and thirties, my managers, I felt like okay, and this was back then. I was, I had the lifestyle. Say, if I was bartending, I could switch my shifts whenever I wanted to. I made great money and I had this great flexibility. You know, it was like the Wild West, cash on demand, you know, yeah. cash in my pocket, a big wad at the end of every night. And then I would save up and get just switch shifts. Managers, I felt like were very um, tied to the restaurant 
and it was a lot of responsibility. And I just felt too restless and I needed that feeling of freedom to go into management. But it wasn't until, like I said, until I went to, to that, to chef with chef Matt, that the idea, the idea of it kind of started percolating. And then within a year, that's when I started going into management. So what was it that really pushed you over the edge? Cause I think this is something it's a really important conversation we should have because I feel like a lot of people hold themselves back from progressing and really getting the their career going to the point where they could be a partner and really start making some decent money because they don't want to let go of the on-demand cash. You're going to take a pay cut, more than likely, transitioning into that management role where you're really going to get your ass handed to you probably like um, like physically and emotionally when you're just busting your ass for a period of time and not really reaping the benefits right away. So like, what was it for you that really pushed you over the edge to be kind of like, how do I say this? Like, what were the benefits? What were the benefits uh, that convinced you to, to move in that direction of management? I think on a, on a selfish level, I think there was, I don't want to say selfish. That's on on a, on a self selfie level, (laughs) selfie level. (laughs) I think I think it was the accolades. I really wanted to to have some type of recognition that I. Uh, this is just things that go through my mind. I'm just going to be the stream of consciousness, like completely honest. The idea that I I wanted some accolades that I was actually able to be a part of this 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 restaurant, you know, this team, and and then I started going. Then the next phase was like. Was okay. Can I lead a team? Oh, cool, awesome! Now I get to explore and learn, and you know, be a student of Danny Meyer. And I started to be able to embrace the idea of leading a team and being in a sense of how would I do that. So now it was a whole different mindset. I wasn't looking at a linear. I was looking more aerial. You know, I was looking more macro, mm. and that to me was exciting. And the idea of it just really and finding mentors and, you know, looking up to make sure no light bulbs were out before service, you know, I mean, like crazy things. And that to me started to be interesting and exciting. And then it started to be not so much about the selfie accolades, but it was like us and we. So there was an interesting transition. I don't know if you followed me on that, Eric, but no, I absolutely did. I think it's beautiful. I'm, I'm making some great notes right now. And one thing that really stood out to me um, was when you said, uh, you asked yourself, can I be a, a leader? Uh, was there apprehension? Did, was there a period of time where you had self-doubt that you might not be able to do that? Yes, because I, I'm, I can, I can be very like intense and I don't. And if I put my name to something, I didn't want to screw up. And I think I felt like scared that if I quote, screwed up, I was going to fork up everything, you know, I was going <laughs> to screw up everything. And I don't think I understood that. Like, it's just kind of how you deal with it. It's not the actual, like, yeah, everybody screws up like 10,000 times a night in the restaurants, but it's how we recover. It's how we deal with it. But I think that I was afraid in the beginning, like, can I do this? Can I leave? What if I make mistakes? They're going to see me. They're going to see the true me. I suck. You know? Why Something would like you that. say that? <laughs> You're <laughs> awesome. No, okay. no, back then. Back then. Back then. This okay. is like before. This, this is the self talk. Oh, back then, this is the self talk. I was just giving examples of things that people might I got think. You. you know, like, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> But of course, what? fucking forking off. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, one thing I love that you just mentioned, uh, not to get too off topic, is that, uh, you know, it's not like we all fork up to be on brand. Uh, we all fork up and it's not the fork up that's going to be what uh, deter- or defines you. 
it's what you do afterwards. And I love that you mentioned that because it's, it's so powerful that, um, and really like you, you can take so many bad experiences and turn them around just by showing people how much you forking care. Um, do you want to talk to that at all? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll give you an example things that just roll off the top of my head. And this is just like examples in a restaurant, like as a, as a manager, you know, with like the staff, I'd be like, you know, shit stuff. People can drop things. Unfortunately it does happen. It's going to happen. So don't freak out. Just make sure the broom is always in the same place so that we know where it is. And the sexy part of when something like falls or breaks is how sexy it is when it gets so seamlessly cleaned up. Mm. And no drama, just boom, 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 ninja style. Same with we talked about the fork yeah. and the spoon and the. Uh, which is pretty awesome. We had a fun conversation uh, about how uh, Debbie got so on point that, like, she got to the point where she uh, could tell from the sound the silverware made when it hit the ground without even looking, like, what she needed to get uh, at the service station to replace that piece of silverware. Uh, so, um, I mean, that's awesome when you can get to that point. Yeah, we we kind of went through it and we talked about it, but that's a good challenge. Um, you guys should bring that to your team and uh, have you know the the silverware challenge where your people are so like in tune to what's happening, so aware of their surroundings that they're listening to like the finest little details. Do you want to touch on it at all? I mean, that's I so if I if I um, I want to use Cucina Urbana because it started to be this like not a joke, but it would be so. I would just grab, I mean, I think it's so sexy. So I would hear a silverware fall, even if it was really far away. And I would just know what it was. It's, you know, fork, fork, knife, spoon, serving spoon, steak knife. I could just tell. So I'd run down if I was up at the host, I would run down to the the server station or wherever very quickly, grab the serviette. And I usually was, once I heard it fall, I would start walking to get the silverware because I knew I had a minute to think about, or 10 seconds to think about which, what, what it was, grab the serviette grab the whatever item I thought it was, replace it, and then scoop it up. And what the staff used to do, and it was so funny, they would hear some fall, and they would turn to look to see where I was because <laughs> they knew I was going to be on it and running to, to, to get something. So it turned into some, a little bit of a oh, that's funny of a game. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> and the other thing, too, that just there was one other thing that I want to note that I felt like I never knew that. So when you walk into the restaurant, it's light out, right? It's 5 o'clock and then it's in the summer. And now it's 8.30 and the lights go down and there's like freaking three light bulbs out. I mean, I was I started being obsessed with the light bulbs. So it's almost like in Cucina Bond, there was probably 10,000 light bulbs, you know? So at the beginning of every shift during pre-shift, you know, we were all doing um, sitting and chatting or standing at lineup. I, I would always... I swear, I looked crazy. I was always looking up because I put all the lights on really la- up and the music really loud just to make sure that everything was working. <laughs> but didn't, people didn't know what I was doing for a while, the staff. And they thought I was crazy, like talking and looking up and looking around. Um, but that, I just wanted to say that's a note that I think is really important for as a manager, as management, is to look look up. You got to mm. see see everything yeah and i want to go i want to get to that macro point of view because i think that's really important but before we dive into that um you said that there was a point where like you didn't know if you were worthy to be a leader you were afraid to screw up and now you're absolutely a confident woman like you just radiate confidence so can you think can you go back to a time where uh you had a transitional moment like and what was the frame mind uh, or the frame of mind that you were in when you kind of realized like okay this is what it's about this is how I can get over my fear of leadership. Was there like a, a moment or a, a way of thinking that kind of helped you kind of, uh, I don't know, push you over the edge of being more confident as a leader? 
Okay, this may sound really strange, but you have to follow me on this. Okay, so there the, was definitely a, a progression of time, and I definitely did did some things. I remember, you know, having discussions very, very, very vocally on the floor with staff, and I realized that that's not, you know, that that's not the way, you know, or something like that. So there were little things that happened continuously that I learned quite quickly were not the way that I want to be per perceived as a leader. But the biggest thing for me, and this has gone a little bit deep there, but this is what I want to say. It had to do with deservability. And what I mean by that is, okay, I love cars. I love really, really fast cars. And I remember I, I never really thought that I would have a car that I, in my mind, was think was a cool, hot, sexy car. Because other people have the hot, sexy cars. And I know this is sound strange, but when I was, so I'm at Urban Solace and one of my goals when I was managing, started managing was I wanted this, like I visualized it, you know, I had a whole like, you know, cut it out, cut the car out, put it at places in my house so I would see it, you know, visualized. And it took me a, a couple of years to actually manifest this, this sexy, hot, fast car. But, and then once I got that car, I realized that it wasn't, about the car, I wasn't saying I'm gonna be happy when I get that car. It wasn't like that at all. It was, once I got that car, I realized, holy, sh holy shit, I never thought that I deserved that car because I never understood that I was worthy of that car. I just, you know, it was deservability issues. So once I kind of busted through that and realized and really got comfortable in this like fast, sexy car and knew that that car represented like kind of like crushing it in the sense of I'm no longer just okay with being just okay. I know I want I want more. I want to be the best. I want to be awesome. I don't know if you can kind of it's a, the trajectory of that. It's not so much about the car. It wasn't status. It was more about getting what I wanted and and busting through on that. So once I got that car, I was like, holy shit! Like everything changed. All of a sudden, it was like I felt I had a little more self posture. And it, not about the car, it was because I actually felt like I deserved something. So to go back to to what we were talking about, to to really become that leader, it's knowing that you deserve to be a leader. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. To no, you. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you had always kind of doubted yourself up to that point, but when you achieved your goal, where you you brought into reality this this goal of yours. Um, to have a sexy car, you knew that you were able, you could do it. Uh, yeah. You you can form, yeah. you can shape your own life, and now you know it's possible if you work hard enough. Um, is that what? That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So it's like I, I and you could I don't want to be heard the wrong way. Like oh, I'm so freaking awesome because I got this car. It's not that. <laughs> it's like a I really like I love fast cars and I want to it to be a sexy car. It was just something like that I never thought was achievable, attainable for me to have, you know, or anything like that. And so then once it took, a, it took at least two years for me to get that car. I mean, to get to, for it to come into my world. And then it took me another, you know, six months to be comfortable in that car. Cause it was like a new skin. So I, it felt once I was able to, once I got achieved the car, once I got the car, it wasn't the car itself. It was the feeling that shit, I, I can, I got this. I wanted this. I got this. I, and I, I deserve to have this because I, I want this. Yeah. So I want to be a freaking 
I want to be a restaurant owner. I want to be a partner in a restaurant. I want to be, you know, be, do, have. I want all these things. And so it helped me, helped me kind of progress in that arena of yeah. things that I think that I really want. Absolutely. I mean, once you hit that goal, it's contagious. Your body releases endorphins of, like, I don't know exactly what they're called. They're, uh, I'm not that good explaining this shit but there's chemical uh reactions in your body when you hit your goals that it's it's intoxicating and and it's addicting and you want to feel that again and you are when you know you're capable of doing it you just set your your goals higher and higher and higher i think it's a beautiful thing um i kind of want to know what it felt like to like to to reap the not necessarily the, the uh the tangible benefits of leadership but the more emotional uh personal uh, benefits of uh, seeing somebody you're mentoring develop and to know that you taught them that and that you you led them to this point that they're at. How did that feel? I, it, you know, that's that's a great question because I know that I was in, in San Diego. I was part of two really top restaurants and was able to hit the level of general management and operations and receive some accolades and was instrumental, I feel, in developing the team. And what I mean by developing a team, I mean there is there the, there's some people that are going to be there for a while, and then there's people that come through that you know are going to you know law school or they're doing all these other other uh, focuses in their life. And I love that. I love being part of that. And I I took once I started really settling in and feeling comfortable with management, I I definitely took it to the next level of like mentoring people outside. Of like just being like okay, service tips and how to be hosp- you know how to be hospitable and you know that kind of thing you know put the salt shake over to the right and this is how we're going to set the table. We started getting really into personal development. I would have meetings once a month, our all staff meetings, and there were some people that they're just they still send me emails and thank me, which I just I love that. That to me, aside from everything else, I mean it doesn't matter to me. Those people that still that said that I have inspired them or that I helped them and assisted them so much in becoming, you know, where goals they've achieved now, or some people have moved on and actually are, you know, in general management positions and operations. And they say that they, they do certain styles of service, you know, because of the influence that we had at that time, myself and the team, the other managers, you know, inspiring them and helping them. And I just, that to me is, is the biggest thing. It's not Mm. about anything else. And I, that's the thing right now that I miss the most from managing restaurants because I'm not in managing right now. And if I, if I choose to go back, it would be literally for that is to mentor and coach and assist because I love that part. I love it. That's priceless. Uh, And like, for me, like that's the gold. Um, When leadership goes from, uh, you know, a more uh, outward <laughs> in. Yeah, you go from being outward in to the things that will make me happy to the things, you know, you're going uh, inwards out where what can I do to uh, make the life of this other person better? And it, it, it's like that what you mentioned early on during this recording where you fell in love with this industry because of you're able to make other people happy and to create joy for other people. Well, as a leader, you're doing the same thing, but now you get to impact and have and like lift up the lives of, the, of those you work with and to really teach them how to these people, how to be better people and professionals. Yeah. And that's, that's for, a, yeah. That's do you want to comment on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like that for me, that's the that's the key. And I, I know I keep going back to Kachina Urbana because that was a really memorable um, position for me when I was there. Um, I, I was at the Ojai Valley Inn and Spa, the resort there as well. But it wasn't it was a little that was a very my first resort, you know, suited up name tag uh, five. You know, we had min, uh, minimum standards that we had to uphold every moment. So, you know, calling people by certain names and certain it was a little more rigid. So I'm going to use reference point to Kachina Urbana. That that was like. For me, just I—I I, I mean, it's priceless. I still—I still think about about you, you know the staff. For example, the staff. They're—I mean, they're the—they're it, everything. The staff has always been everything to me. And and I would do you know I would go down with the ship you know for the staff, which might not be the best, but I would. That's how how diehard. But I still a lot of those people are still at that restaurant, and I and I see that there's points of service and their mantra and their culture. And I know it was when I, that I was there with the others. It was not just me, but we all together, you know, went through changes and we grew with those changes. Cause you know, sometimes in restaurants it's growing pains hurt, but you come out on the other side stronger. And, you know, Danny Meyer was a huge mentor and a huge um, part of all of my, um, I would say workshops <laughs> or one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I just, I, I'm smiling because I'm thinking about all those people that are still there at those restaurants, even up at the resort. And everybody still is, holds that same integrity and that same compassion and that same excitement. And I, and I, I know that it, I wasn't the one, I'm not instrumental in that. I know I was just a part of that and that makes me happy and excited and um, hopeful you know, for restaurants. Yeah. I love that you mentioned growing through change too. I think so many people are, are apprehensive to change because that feeling of change is kind of scary and it's uncomfortable and it's an area of like, just kind of uh, where you feel a little stupid. Like, I don't know what's happening. This makes me feel stupid. I don't like feeling stupid. Like I'm not going to change, but right. you, you grow so much when you force yourself to change and evolve and get better. Um, and I love how you just kind of pointed that out, like the feeling of growing through change is so powerful. Um, and just kind of like as a, a cap to this portion of the conversation, one thing for me, uh, just listening to you talk, I couldn't help but think about it. One thing that helped me, uh, which helps me to this day, because uh, there's times where I don't feel worthy about being able to to host this podcast. Like, who am I? I've never owned a restaurant. I've never been like the general manager of a, a successful restaurant. Who's listening to me? But it's when I get out of my own head and remember that it's not about me. It's about all those people out there who are in the position of leadership, of management, of ownership, who can benefit from the work I'm doing. And when you get out of your own head, and don't make it about you and whether or not you're worthy, but you make it about other people and their better and their betterment. Like you're, you just, it, it's so much easier to think like that. And when you're a hospitalitarian, like we are to see the, 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 the outcome of helping somebody else, making them happier, making them more successful. There's no better reward. Uh, I'm sure you, you feel that same way. Absolutely. You said it well said, Eric. I mean, that was that was beautiful. It's because I'm drinking beer. I'm gonna have another sip. This is cheers. Cheers. We should take a sip. Mm. <laughs> that. Yeah. Um. So mm. I want to go to what something else you mentioned, which was you went uh, from being a micro to macro, and um, that's kind of I think a really important thing about being a manager uh, or being in management is seeing the big picture. So let's talk about um, 
where you were when you really started to get that to where you are now. And if you could like think of three lessons that just things, you know, to be true, um, in your evolvement or in your evolution, that's probably a better word, uh, in your ever, in your evolution, uh, what are those three things that you know to be true that you didn't know back then? I think I have probably touched on some of these, but I do know three things is, and I will say is always look up. And I'm saying that as a manager, always look up because the light bulbs, things are weird. There's dust, you know, always look up from the perspective of a guest. So, you know, sit in the different seat positions and the different tables. So always do that. That's on one like actual visual level. On the other level is, you know, people, people, I believe people, I believe truly that like the staff, they want to do good. They do. They want to be good. They want to be the best. They want to be great. You know, it could be for money. It could be for recognition. It could be, but they want to be. And that that's their baseline. So it's my job as a manager to foster that. I know that to be true. It's not to hinder or hurt or, you know, you say, bust the table. They might not, it's a leap of logic. They might not understand what I meant from my perspective of busting the table. Hopefully they do because we've trained them, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't exactly know. So they want to know. So they seek knowledge. And so they can be great. So that's the second thing. I'm not going to let you get off that easy with this topic. (laughs) Uh, How... How do you foster the good? So for me, for one thing, for me, honestly, is starts with training and making sure everybody knows what it is, their ex- the expectations. So if I say set the table, you know, the knife, fork, spoon, but I really mean like make sure that the knife is pointed exactly to the wine glass. Maybe just say I'm just using that as a really specific example. So they, they want to know that. They want to know exactly how to set it and to show them so that they can do that over and over again. So now they can be really fast. Now they can be ninja. Maybe they can be like the best, um, you know, ninja style busser um, or something like that. So the other part, too, is doing con- constant education. Like we would sell so much wine at, at Kuchina. And so what I noticed was that I'll give you an example. Like some people, everybody would get to a level at the to- their total sales. And they would block. They would have a block. Now, when I say sales, it means like how how much are you providing an experience for your guest, right? So are you are you are you ex- explaining? Are you enhancing their experience? So it's not so much about the numbers and the price and the tip. It's more about you know enhancing the experience. And I truly believe that, and I truly frame it like that. So if, for example, Kevin only sells not only but sells seventeen hundred on average every single night, what is that? Is that like, can you not bust through that? Why is that? That to me is so interesting. Are they, because they're not lazy. Are they just comfortable? Do they not know? So I would like do one-on-ones with people and learn and find out what it is because I would do visuals. Like, okay, just say um, you you were able, why why don't you offer these people like this awesome like six pack of wine like to go because we had a to-go license? Like then every time they open that bottle of wine, when they go home and share it with guests, they're going to think of their incredible experience they had at, at the restaurant, you know, like kind of trying to understand what, what was the ceiling. It was like, people felt 
So one person might feel, quote, bad to try to sell somebody something. And I'm like, well, you're not selling them something. So kind of shifting their, their framework, their come from, their understanding of what they're providing, the service, and try to understand what their mindset is. And once that was able to be handled, people were just, just really able to freely um, feeling like no berries enhance guest experiences and become really connected to the guests because now you're listening to what they're talking about. You're experiencing their experience, you know, and being able to provide for that. So those are a couple, I might've gone off tangent, but I was no, really you were awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking out over here. Cause that was just all gold. Uh, and I mean, just the whole idea of just fostering the good and uh, so many things, so many phrases were coming into my head from past guests and, you know, uh, set the expectation or just paint that picture of perfection. Like people need something to aim for. Uh, if, if somebody is new to this industry, they don't know what great looks like. They don't know what the job done well looks like. It's your job as a leader, as a manager to give them that aiming point. And you can't expect them to, to know it's not common sense. Um, that's your job is to, to give them those standards. And it's so important. And then the whole idea of just giving people that specialized knowledge and, um, the way I like to think of it is provide the lens through which to see the world. Uh, they don't get the perspective. Like you're not selling, you're, you're giving these people a better experience. Uh, you're, you know, making suggestions, you're knowing the product, you're knowing what they want and you're, you're doing whatever you can to, uh, you know, empower these people to, to make those incredible experiences, but they need to understand it from that perspective. Um, I mean, so much great stuff and I should stop talking. This is your time to shine. Uh, this is yes. great. Awesome. I'm glad that you, you understood what I was saying. Cause that was when I stopped for a second. I'm like, I, I was in the moment and I was thinking, I was taking back to a couple, especially a couple guys out, uh, Aaron, this one guy, Aaron in particular. And God, I remember he just, after we had this conversation and we started working together a little bit and we were doing some, you know, role playing and visuals and stuff. Oh my God, he was on fire. He would be like, build another couple of cases of wine. I mean, he just, but he loved it because he started getting into it. He started learning about the wine. He started like challenging himself to really understand mm. and hear the guest and, and start to learn about how to match what the guest was looking for. And it did not feeling bad, not in a pushy way. It was just this win-win. And so it was, it, that to me was rewarding. The most rewarding of it all was watching these, these people learned how to bust through a barrier. Yeah. And you know, that area that you're talking about, that personal growth is like the, it's, it's one step from the most, um, the highest need, the, the, uh, of, of self-actualization, we get to self-actualization through personal growth. Um, and that's just one step from tapping into the highest needs of our people. So start there, start by educating them, start by making them better people, start by giving a fuck about them or fork. Sorry. <laughs> totally. Dude, don't give a fuck. About <laughs> uh, but that's right? on you. That's your job as a leader is to bring the best out of these people. Uh, and that's where the magic is. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. And, you know, before we wrap up, I have to, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of this individual, uh, Colton Schultz, who has been on the show a few times and who's killing it at uh, Grand Junction subs in uh, Dakota, I think Bismarck, that area. Um, he was telling us a, during the mastermind about this person who was really struggling to get it. Um, and they almost gave up on him and they decided to not give up on them, but to really work with this person and get them to where they need to, need to be. And now he's 
um, a leader. Now they're thinking about giving him his own store. And people learn differently. People need a little extra time. Uh, and they're slow to accelerate. But sometimes these people, once they get going, they're unstoppable. And it's it's a matter of you really taking the time and not giving up on them and caring about them and not just making it a transactional relationship. Oh, you can't do the job. We'll see you later. Is there hope? Like, are you making improvements? Like, what can I do to invest in you and care about you? And the more you care about them, the more they're going to remember that and care about you. And the more they're going to be there for you when you need them. So powerful stuff. Yeah, it is Um, powerful. Sorry, I'm talking way too much. I should shut up. You're the the guest. (laughs) So what's the third thing? What's the third thing? We got always look up, foster the good. And um, what's the third thing? Oh my God, the third thing, and I know this might be just lit, like literal again, but they just, people, people, people call in sick. They could be calling in sick. They're people, you know, people, th- things come up for people. So this is just, they're just go, always going to solution mode. You know, what's the solution for that? Like, how, how can you get that shift covered? Do I have um, systems in place that they have to get it covered before? Or, you know, don't freak out, you know, choose the battles, you know, like, is that, is that worth freaking out on? Do we have, how are we going to handle it? Because how you handle those, like, you know, the, they're supposed to be there at 3 and it's 2.30 or 2 o'clock. You know, if if one buys into that and just freaks out as a manager, God, the, all of a sudden, like, a, a, you know, the, the electricity could flicker and next thing you know, you're, you know, jump one jump off a bridge. So it's being able to understand, like, that happens. Shit happens. And you just have to be able to have, A, your systems in place, to, you know, and, and roll with it and have 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 the – mindset and wherewithal to just go right into the solution because once you start that i'm saying at three o'clock and you're just going to be for the next you know 12 hours (laughs) if you can start that it's just going to continue solution 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 and then next thing you know it just that's how we waste so much energy freaking out and (laughs) losing our shit uh and it's not going to help or resolve anything um what and what debbie's talking about is emotional intelligence emotional control to to know that the world isn't over uh to get over what just happened into go to solution mode and, and to not let your emotions get the best of you i mean that takes time that that takes maturity uh to, to that have that time. self yeah to have that self-awareness um but i mean we can get there sooner if you know you have control of your mind you don't need to wait 10 years into like to know that the world is not going to crumble around you when these things happen to know that there is a solution so just get straight to that point i love it awesome stuff so tell us more about forking around i want to make sure we give some time to really dive into um what forking around is all about your your new podcast um when did you first have the idea so that's great. I love the I love being a podcast host. It's called and I've never done anything in broadcasting or anything along those lines. So it's very new and I'm not super gear oriented. So I, th- that was some of the challenges which I'll get to in a moment, but what I what I I just always have listened to podcasts because I think I mentioned to you Eric, I just want to fill my mind with with things I'm choosing mm. to fill them with, like good things, positive things, funny things, um, uh, personal development, you know, Tim Ferriss, Eric Cacciatore, you know, great things. <laughs> Did you just and, put me in the same well, sentence as Tim Ferriss? Oh, well, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'll be at the Stairmaster. I mean, I can, I'll go to the gym in the morning at like five or six in the morning, literally. And I can stand, I can be on that. I can do cardio listening to a show. I'll go on, on cardio. I'll listen to your show, Eric, hour and 10 minutes. Boom. went by, Wow. you know, it's like amazing. Thank or you. I'll take Tim Ferriss's show and I'll walk when I have to go walk the dog. I'm like, yeah, I'll go walk Lola. Cause I know I can fill my mind with something positive. 
So I've always listened to podcasts. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, huh, the only other one that I really know is doing one is Eric Cacciatore. And I don't even know him, but I listen to him. Like who else is doing besides, you know, Sporkful or, you know, some of the um, Fresh Air, you know, and some of the other radio stations, but not an individual. Mm. So that was in November of 2016. Wow. So I just. Yeah, so I I went online and found resources and um, groups, and I just I just went for it. I literally just went for it in the sense of saying I'm gonna this is the date, and I'm I'm gonna find what steps I have to do in order to start this podcast. And what I did was I mean I had a, a bunch of different names, I had a bunch of different artwork. I mean I kept changing stuff because it w- didn't feel right, but I kept going, kept going. And I divided everything into little chapters. So it was the first one was like, you know, create your avatar. Like, who's my, you know, create the name, create, you know, create this, create that. So I did those steps all along the way on a checklist that was provided on, you know, some of the support groups that I, that I found and I joined. And then I, I was hoping to launch in February, but that was like way, that was like way um, difficult to, to have everything dialed in at that time. So I launched in April. So I literally did it pretty quick. Yeah, that's uh, really a, quick. A lot of hard work. I mean, so it was a lot of hard work. I'm curious. Um, what was your vision like when you you decided that you wanted to do this? There weren't enough restaurant podcasts, which I full heartedly agree. Which is why this podcast exists. Because when I was looking three years ago, there was really shit out there for restaurant podcasts. Which is, I mean, I, I needed this podcasts who exist for restaurant professionals. So what was your, what was driving you? Um, what was your vision? Like what, how do you want to change the world? How do you want to impact the world with this podcast? I just I want, what I love about podcasts is it's international. It's not even just, it's national and then international. And I thought to myself, you know, I love bringing people in around a table. I love to provide a service for them in the restaurants. I was like, what this world of podcasting mm. and this progress that we're all making of making it you know one planet i know that sounds so like you know yellow fluffy <laughs> but it's like we're all you know the people are all, you know colors red green anyways um so the the idea of, of bringing everybody together to tell stories mm. to tell stories of people who are you know pivotal parts of the restaurant world that can kind of inspire or motivate or people can just have some affinity towards, oh shit, I didn't know that about, you know, so-and-so who owns that restaurant. And now when they go to that restaurant, they have more of a a connection to it. So the stories and then the inspiration behind those stories, that shit, I could do that too. You know, I'm 31, I'm a bartender. I love mixing up drinks. Oh wow, I just heard a podcast on somebody who's making these cool bitters and wow, they just launched it in Napa. I wanna do that, you know, those kind of things. So I wanna like inspire and bring together and and the inspiration is not coming so much for me. It's the guests, right? It's being able to create that platform for people to tune in and learn and understand and grow. And that's that's where I'm at right now. And when I started it, I do have some grander visions, you know, for for my, me personally, and also for the show. Hopefully, it's going to turn into some other opportunities that I will be able to bring even more people together and on a, on a grander scale. Um, so yeah, I want to be the connector. Yeah. Oh man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I totally am resonating with everything you said. And I really do think that podcasts will change the world because of 
our hardwiring, every human being's hardwiring to learn through story, to learn through surrounding ourselves with people. And today it's easier than ever to surround yourself with incredible people. And you can literally change the world by simply giving access to these beautiful minds, these incredible minds. And I'm not the incredible mind. I, I never made claim to be an incredible mind, but I can put these people in front of you and we can all learn from them together. And it's so powerful just to show up every day and to allow yourself to be influenced by greatness. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And it's never been easier to be great. And it's so promising. Um, I love this. Um, so, uh, what's the biggest lesson you've done 13 episodes now? Um, what's, what's, what's the biggest lesson up to this point, uh, by creating this resource for you? What, what have you learned? God, you know, I've, I'm still, I'm so still learning. So I think up until this point, I, I, what I'm learning is that I uh, I appreciate the world of podcasting. I appreciate uh, you know what it is. I think it's to really stop for a second to appreciate it all that people are so open and vulnerable and raw when they're talking on the podcast. They're mm. telling their story mm. that is evergreen. You know that's that's always going to be out there. And I think so for me, it's just like gratefulness. Like I'm grateful that people listen and I'm grateful for the people that have come and just opened up mm. and just really shared. And I don't, I, I don't other lessons. Like I know that I, you know, I now can fix things le- technically electronically because I have had, you know, technical issues. So I feel a little more confident in that, but on, on, on that's on a linear level, but the other on a more grander level it's it's truly the the gratefulness and i can't believe how how no i can believe but it is shocking how people really god when you when people are so passionate about about what they're doing you know when they start talking about it and i don't think people have the opportunity to know that if you say you you go to a restaurant you don't know that how how passionate that that restaurant tour is and maybe you read an interview but you don't hear that tone you don't hear that passion and then podcasting what i've learned is wow the passion, the commitment, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's definitely inspiring. And uh, this has been a great conversation up to this point. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn that never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. 
After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips to join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves. Head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back and we've got a full glass of prosecco so we're ready to go uh <laughs> i already finished my beer unfortunately um what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I, I, I really think it's going to the gym. Why? I think the mindset, it's, it's just working out, it's staying, it's, feel, it's doing something for my body. It's like that commitment to, to, to go to the gym in the morning, sweat, lift, feel good, and then it helps me continuously pers- be persistent because yeah. shit man sometimes i just don't want to go yeah you know? don't freaking go so how do you so make I, yourself go when you when you get that feeling i trick myself eric that's what i was gonna say i trick myself i say okay i'm gonna go for 20 minutes i'm just mm. gonna go for like 20 minutes and then i end up being there for like you know a good hour hour and a half but or an hour but i i just i try to i try to make it so that it's not this huge commitment you know like i'm just gonna go for like 20 minutes and and literally that's, I could maybe only go for 20 minutes. So that's, that's something that, and I try to go really, really early in the morning so that I don't have a lot of time yes. to not go. <laughs> that's such a great habit. Uh, just to, to take the time to take care of yourself first and you can't take care of others until you've taken care of yourself. It's something that you need to do. And I've been trying to be better about that. And uh, you just hit on something that's a really good point is that uh, the, the trick to building a, a habit is just to do the thing, uh, make it super easy, trick yourself. And if working out means putting your shoes on and going out the front door and walking five telephone poles and turning around and coming back, then you did it. And the habit is starting to becoming, is starting to form. Um, just, Absolutely. and here's the thing, you're going to get five telephone poles and be like, I'm a like sack of shit. If I only go five telephone poles <laughs> and then you're going to go an extra, like, you know, half mile and then maybe you'll come back. But the, the trick is just, just to go through the motions, the habits will form and you, you'll get there. I love that you mentioned that. Um, what is your biggest weakness? Oh my God. I talk a lot. No, I talk a lot and terrible handwriting. <laughs> okay, terrible handwriting is the, is really terrible handwriting. Okay, we want even more than that. Let's How see. does that hurt you? Because it's it can it's because people it's too okay. People say that with handwriting like that, it's like um, they make uh, assumptions. It's yeah, like that. You're not taking the time to 
to articulate or to write or you're, you know, you're being rushed. They I don't assume know, carelessness? Yes. Thank you. Carelessness. That's what the assumption is with carelessness. But I don't feel like I'm careless. So let's see. I might have to find another one. Take your the time. Biggest weakness. Okay. Handwriting for sure. But that's kind of lame to say. <clears throat> um, I'm obsessed with time. And it can be, is that a weakness? I am. I'm obsessed with time. I truly believe I respect time. So I, I don't, I don't understand like late, really late. So that could be a weakness because it's difficult for me to accept the lateness. So if somebody people. is late, then you basically like, that's like a deal breaker for you. It's, it's, you know, if they're habitually late, like randomly things happen. Absolutely. But like when people are always late, like it's, I feel like it's like a disrespect almost. I, I know, I know it's weird. So like, I if, if somebody's habitually late, like a friend of mine is like, say forty five minutes late all the time. It's like if I'm ready, I'm ready before forty five. You know, ready on time and I'm there. That means that I've wasted. They're wasting my time because mm. now they're forty five minutes late. Yeah. So I have this thing with time. And now I, you know, somebody came to the boat yesterday to, to for recording to a podcast. Yeah, she was twenty minutes late. Not a big deal at all mm -hmm. at, at all but if it was a friend of mine and every single time we were going to meet out they were like 45 minutes late that's when i start to get yeah. a little bit and i don't i think it's a good habit really i mean I, I understand why you get frustrated but at the same time like people have to understand that time is our most valuable asset uh it's no the question. it's the one thing we all get the same amount of no matter how rich or poor we are 24 hours in a day and it's what you do with that time that will determine where you go in life so i totally get that and you okay. have to have that perspective of time being your most valuable asset so maybe you see it as a weakness but i don't i think it's a good thing <laughs> what is one what is one piece of advice you have uh if you could just drop like one piece of advice on leadership what would that be you know, it's funny because that's that's a great question because whenever I would go into interviews for management positions, everyone's like, "What's your management style?" And I, I honestly think that you that having one style is limited. You shouldn't have one style as a, as, a, as in leadership. It's it's what is what it, the situation and the individual requires in that moment. Mm. Awesome. It's not about your learning your leading style. It's about their learning style. Ooh, good one. Yes, exactly. You're so good, Eric, at, at framing what people are saying. No, you really are. And all your podcasts, and you, it's so good. So I, I honestly like have some goals to be able to, to um, host and understand and kind of streamline and ping what people are saying. Like you, as because it's, it's <laughs> after, a skill. After after three hundred and thirty six <laughs> episodes, it's about time I'm good at something. Uh, <laughs> So <laughs> what's well, one hundred <laughs> I'm going to be like, yes, you're going to get there in no time. I know you are. Um, do everything I, I can to make sure you get there. And, uh, what's one question or thing you ask when you're looking to hire others? You know, I do. I always say, ask them this. I say, what's the difference between hospitality, hospitality and service. And what are you looking for? I just want to see, hear them talk and, and explain and see how they answer it. I'm not seeking an actual answer. I want to know what they, how they define it. I know that's it kind of is a, it's a strange one. So service, like service, is literally like an act. It's like a, it's like an act of doing something, like putting your glass there. Yeah. And what is hospitality? It, you know, it's like Danny Meyer. It's what you're doing, you know, for the guest, not to the guest. So in that spirit, I just wonder. I want to hear. I want to see 
then process it. I want to see how they answer it. And I want them to see if they, when they talk about hospitality, if it comes from their heart. Mm. And uh, what is one book that is a must read that will make us better people or better restaurant owners? Well, there's two. Sorry, can I cheat? There's like two. Yeah, you can't mention Danny Meyer sitting at the table, though, because you already mentioned that one a bunch of times. Okay. It's Think and Grow Rich. I mean, right? Yeah. Why? Why? What was the biggest impact that book had on you? I mean, Grow Rich is just, I mean, it's it's all, I mean, on, it's, it, it takes into account every single aspect of your mindset and on, you know, how, how to be how to be what you want to be, which most people want to be their greatness or their betterness. Or, and I, I love that book and emotional intelligence. And so on some level, it almost is the sciencey religion, you know, science of mind, which freaks people out, you know, but on the other level, it's not God and religion, but there's, there's some, there's a mantra to it. There's a, a vibe to it. There's a rhythm to it. That is life <laughs> and intelligence and yeah. makes sense. So you start- how you're, yeah. you're, you moved on to the, the next book, Emotional Intelligence, is, or are you still talking about Think and Grow Rich? Sorry, I, I might have. I was Think and Grow Rich. But oh, like, sorry, sorry. Was, yeah, Emotional Intelligence was Think and Grow Rich because it was the it. But that was, that was, um, that that's the one book. And then um, I just, I love, um, I love Cheryl Strayed. I don't know if you know, she did that book Wild. <laughs> uh, and she has. I saw the movie. Out. I think there's a movie, right? <laughs> books out and I'm just trying to reach for it but it's a book of quotes and she she's very um she has Tim Ferriss actually interviewed her and she's very you know she's very literate and she's very very um not reserved but she's not this wild you know crass person who curses all the time and her her book of quotes I can't uh I can't think of it now and I, I want to but it's a book of quotes and but she's like write like a motherfucker and in my mind <laughs> All I say to myself before I podcast is podcast like a motherfucker. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, just do it, you know, be it, own it and do it. And so yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna, I think of that. I'm going to take those two books. Uh, the one think and grow rich and, uh, the, the book of quotes that you, what's the name of the book? Did you mention that? I can't know. It's Cheryl straight. It's her book of quotes. I can't I, get I back wanna, to me. Uh, we'll have it in the show notes. This is episode three thirty seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll text it to you. Right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll audio file it so you can dub it in. There you go. <laughs> so what I'll do is um, I'm gonna com- oh, what I'm going to do is combine those two books. And for me, if they can grow rich, uh, the biggest lesson for me is just the concept of living intentionally and knowing what your definite purpose is in life and then not doing anything in life that isn't working towards that definite purpose. Um, and I'm going to say definite purpose like a motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Purpose like a motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's poignant. Perfect. Awesome. Head over to audible slash unstoppable to get that book, Thinking Real Rich, if you haven't yet. And I, I, I doubt that book of quotes is probably an audible, but whatever. Um, all right. What no, is, it is. is it? it is, we'll find out. Trade. We'll yeah, find she's out. She's awesome. So I'll let you know. <laughs> what is one piece of technology uh, you've adopted or you've seen restaurants adopting that you think will have the biggest impact on their efficiency, profitability, communication, or whatever to help them make more money easier? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I just, I feel like everything is too individualized yet. Everything you have to have, you know, see to it. And then you have to have the micro. So then you have to have this, you have to have that. There's no one thing. Um, so I, I, I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that. I don't have a good one. 
Well, you just there. mentioned see to it, which I think is a great resource uh, for the data. So why is that so great? Well, I think it's great is once you can really kind of hone in on the, on the reports, it just, it drills down real deep, but you know, statistics don't lie. And I think that you, you numbers don't lie. I mean, so it's like, you know, you can just see, you just know what's going on. You, you have a clear picture without a video camera of, of literally, you know, is your port cost fucked up is, yeah. you know, uh, what's going on? Like, why do we, we didn't have any, you know, like sales on Aperol. Why Aperol spritzers like flying out? Like why there's so many, why, why is there bottles of Aperol gone? Which is a weird thing I know, yeah. but you know, weird things like that. It's not like gin or rum. So it really shows. And then also with servers, you can see, you know, where they're, I don't look at like spying on them. It's like, okay, how can I help them? Look at this is what's happening. Maybe that person is getting like phased too early. Are they happy? Are they okay? What's going on? You know, there's a lot of intel. Yeah, you need something to track in order to self-correct. Uh, if you don't know, yes. if you're just pulling the trigger and closing your eyes, uh, and you don't know where you hit the target, um, you don't know how to adjust to do it better the next time you pull the trigger. So you need to be able to track your efforts to self-adjust and do it better the next time. And no matter what that is in your business. So, um, to just give you an example of why tracking is so important. I would have quit restaurant stoppable probably two years ago or a year ago. If I wasn't really? able to, to track how many downloads I was getting per episode, because it's a lot of work. And, you know, I just went full time, uh, six months ago. And, you know, if I didn't see that my downloads were growing a hundred percent every year, uh, I probably wouldn't have had the, the endurance or the, the hope to keep showing up. So you need something to track. You need to see that your efforts are, are paying off. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's super important. There was, you know, there is, Oh God, I can't even think of the one that there was one other one, but I'll go with C to it. There, there are a lot of reports and it drills, it digs down and drills down real deep, but it, they do, it is able to pull data all together and put it into one, you know, eat one read instead of yeah. trying to match things. So this is episode 337. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 337. I'll have a link to see to it in the show notes as well as those books that were mentioned. And uh, with all the knowledge you have now, Debbie, if you could go back in time to uh, that young version of yourself and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? Oh, my God. I would be like, okay, it's a restaurant industry. It's not war. It's dinner. So <laughs> it's di you know, When I was younger, I'm like, it's not war. This is dinner chill yeah make, and then once that understanding it's like it's not war it's it's dinner like everything can change you know it's like oh the ease and the grace can come in i love it and is, is there one question debbie i could have asked you that would have provided more value to this interview no you're awesome i can't think of one question <laughs> because you know i would tell you if i could <laughs> thank you you were you were incredible. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, let the folks at home know if there's one person out there that you admire and think would make a great guest mentor on the show, um, somebody we can learn from, from their story, from their advice, who, that, who, who would that person be? Oh, God, you got to get Chris Puffer on your show. Chris Puffer? Um, uh, Puffer. Yeah, you got to get Puffer on the show. He's He opened up Urban Wood. He's from Brian Malarkey, uh, CRC Sucker. He's on the West Coast, big guy. He's awesome. So Brian Malarkey's awesome. He's a top chef guy. But Puffer, Chris Puffer is awesome. Brian, you, you Brian Malarkey, Chris Puffer. Puffer? Yeah. Or pu am I puffer. saying? Okay, like like a yeah. pufferfish? Yeah, pufferfish. I'm looking. And they, urban wood, herb, 
H-E-R-B and Wood. Huge accolades, downtown San Diego. But they're opening, I mean, they just crush it, whatever concepts they do. And he's got, he's, yeah, you got to get him on. I, I can try to help you as well. Yeah, that would be awesome. Chris, Brian, look out, guys. I'm coming after you. And uh, oh. let the folks at home know how can we connect with you. Uh, specifically your podcast, if we love restaurant podcasts, if we want more restaurant podcasts, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, thank you, Eric. Yes, it's uh, justforkingaround.net. So justforkingaround.net. And if you want to – I'm a huge Instagram, so it's just at forkingpodcast. All right, beautiful. I'll have those links in the show notes. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com. Three, three seven and give this girl some love uh head over to itunes and give her a five-star review and uh you know there's just not enough uh people sharing information in this industry i don't know if it's a, a issue with just having the time people who are passionate enough of this industry usually just don't have the time to contribute to having a steady podcast which i get uh, it's a lot of work um or if it's just a you know old way of thinking that what makes me successful is what i know and i don't want to share knowledge uh but you know uh, like there needs to be more resources for this massive industry. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that you started this great podcast and give her some help. Give her some love Thank Not that she needs it, but she's new. So she needs some traction. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Beautiful. And uh, that's it. So I guess uh, it's been an honor to share your, awareness about what you're doing and you're an incredible person and thank you so much for having this time with me and making this great episode. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Ah, thank you, Eric Kachatori. You're awesome. Thank you. I'm going to go have an unstoppable day. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. That was an awesome episode and I'm not just forking around. That I mean was just great. Uh Debbie you are great. Uh, tons of awesome energy. Um, just looking at where you are after 13 episodes, like you're far beyond where I was at episode 13. And I'm just super excited uh, for this podcast. Uh, what she's going to be doing, guys, pay attention to this girl. She's going to blow up. She's going to offer tons of value, tons of energy. Like I, I'm just super pumped for this girl. And she knows her stuff. I mean, great advice today. Uh, just those three things that she shared with us. I mean, there's way more than three things, but just, you know, number one, always looking up. Uh, you know, have that guest perspective, look around, see the big picture, foster the good. I love this one. Uh, you know, people want to do good. And I say it all the time too. And at our core, we all want to do good. And it's our role as leaders, as managers, uh, to, or as owners, restaurateurs to, to foster that good, to bring that good out and to enable our people to, to give them something to aim for, to, to paint that picture of perfection. Like we need to foster that good. Then that last little nugget, um, get to the sl- solution mode. Uh, we let our emotions, you know, we all do. Like, we're all subject to it. Like, we let our emotions get the best of us. And it's it takes time and it takes maturity to, to harness that emotional control, to not let your emotions flood your decision-making and to just hijack your mind. Um when you see your emotions flare up, get to solution mode. You know, stub that shit out and know that it's just going to waste your time, waste your energy, and be proactive. Don't don't be reactive. Uh, be evolved. Choose to use your evolved mind. Uh, that frontal lobe. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it controls. It, you know, it, it is the 
the uh, what's it called the executive of the brain and it has the ability to override your emotions so know that you can do that and choose to do it beautiful stuff today guys oh pumped like always guys please do connect with me eric at restaurants unstoppable is my email social media uh getting more and more active on instagram it's been a little too long but uh i'm finally starting to get the hang of it i'm actually starting to kind of like it a little bit so uh eric Catchatory on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Catchatory, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. And please do set up those one on one chats. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one on one or shoot me an email if you want to chat. Uh, I love connecting with my listeners. I love hearing what I could be doing better. I love uh, hearing your suggestions. And I just love connecting with people. I mean, that's why I love this industry. It's, it's such an incredible industry just to have it real human connecting opportunities and this podcast is just an, another way to do that so please do reach out again restaurantstoppable.com slash one on one and let me know who you want to hear from who do you admire in this industry who is the mentor in your community who is the rock star in your community put them on my radar i'll get them on the show we'll learn from them together all right guys thanks for sticking around this long and until next time peace out